You're listening to the Complete Performance Systems Podcast, where we cover how to get really strong, increase sports performance, training, nutrition, rehab, and lifestyle. Hey guys, welcome to the Complete Performance Systems Podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Hackamacki, and I have here with me on episode 11, Jordan Syatt. In this episode, Jordan talks about his time at Westside Barbell, his days in wrestling, how cutting for wrestling influenced his view on dieting now, balancing life, work, and performance, advice for general population, things too many people are stressing over that are getting in their way of progress, and maybe some things they should redirect their focus to, and advice for your personal trainers out there. All right, Jordan, do you want to start off by telling the listeners and viewers a little bit about you and your background? Yeah, man. Well, first, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Um, I uh, I got into fitness just from from wrestling, actually. So I started wrestling when I was eight years old, and um, I was obsessed with it. It's like all I thought about, all I wanted to do. And by the time I got to high school, I made varsity as a freshman. So I, I was cutting from 112 pounds to 103 pounds every week, like at least once, if not two or three times a week, depending on how many, how many matches we would have. And uh, basically from there, I was a good wrestler technically and endurance wise, but 13, 14 years old, going, get, going against like 16, 17, 18 year old kids, my strength wasn't where I needed it. So I, uh, I was like, I need to get stronger while I'm losing weight. So the most logical thing to me was to apply to a gym nearby for as an intern, just like, can I help out? And I was like, I'll take the trash out, clean the floors. Just like, let me come learn from you. And fortunately they took me under their wing and they were incredibly kind and generous. And they're also very, very, very science-based. So at a very young age, I was really inundated with the most science-based, well-researched strength and conditioning. And then also through that nutrition. And so I started coaching around 14 years old and I did that all through high school. Um, and then from there, I, after I ended my wrestling career, I went into powerlifting. And so through powerlifting, I was super into Westside barbell. And actually I ended up writing Louis Simmons in my freshman year of college, basically being like, I would love to come intern with you. Just like, I would love to train with you. Let me take the trash out, clean the floors. I knew he had dogs. So I was like, I'll walk your dogs. Just like, let me do anything just to come and train. And, uh, and he was like, basically, long story short, he let me come train and I was there for the better part of a little over three months. My total increased by 300 pounds that summer. Um, and then, and that was it. Then I ended up, my main goal was to deadlift four times body weight. And I ended up doing that. I pulled 530 at a body weight of 132. And, um, and then I built up an online fitness business while I was in college, just writing articles online and, and through social media and whatnot. And now I'm living in New York and basically doing the same thing. That's awesome, especially that you got into West Side. Um, it's not a very easy place to hear or to get in, from what I hear. But do you want to talk about how your time at West Side kind of influenced your background on uh, powerlifting, and if you look back at it, uh, what you would change? I mean, so I def I wouldn't change anything. That's for sure. I'll start off by saying that I wouldn't change anything. There is. I have, I have many, 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 many blessings in my life. And I think everything that happened, especially at West side was incredibly, uh, incredibly lucky. And I'm super fortunate to have had it happen. So I think 
I remember when I first walked into Westside, I weighed 127 pounds. You know, I'm five foot four, really small guy. And uh, I was competing in the 132 pound weight class. And I remember, I don't you know who Brandon Lilly is. He, like when he like first saw me walk in, I remember he, he was like, I'm going to be honest, man. I thought you were a cross country runner. And uh, which is just like, you're in this gym just filled with, 280 300 and 330 pound dudes like their weakest guy I remember when I applied to work to intern there Louie his response to me was our weakest guy squats 800 pounds what do you have to offer and I was like fuck man like I can't offer much but I can promise you I'm going to come in there and work harder than every single one of you and uh and that's sort of how I got the internship just by standing up for myself and saying I'm gonna come in there and outwork every single one of you I don't care how strong your strongest guy is or how strong your weakest guy is and um and I remember everyone in that gym wanted me to gain as much weight as possible like it was basically there's like powerlifting that time and west side at that time was all around like get huge get huge gain as much weight as possible uh but the only one who didn't was Louie Louie was the only one who was like he was like don't listen to anyone else here He's like, I know like most people want you to gain as much weight as you can, but I actually, he almost, he tried getting me to cut to 123 pounds. And I was like, after spending my entire high school and everything cutting weight, I was like, there's no way I'm going to get down to 123. I just don't want to do that. So, uh, competed at 132 and, and training there was unbelievable, man. Like it was, uh, the environment alone is, uh, is outrageous. It's like, you can't, you can't not get stronger training in a gym like that. Just training around people who are literally the best of the best in the world, outrageously strong, like unbelievably strong. And, and the, the knowledge that I gained through training in that environment in terms of learning from Louie, taking the, the West Side certification, uh, really just like having the opportunity to study with Louie every single day. It was, it was a once in a lifetime experience. That's super cool. Uh, you, so you think environment plays a large role into powerlifting and just life in general, whether it's having a good mentor. Sorry, what'd you say? So do you think the role of having a good mentor in an environment is uh, really important in just powerlifting and life in general? For life in general, yeah, I think it's very important to have mentors. And I think, I th- yeah, powerlifting as well. I think whatever skill you want to improve on, it's very important to have people in your life that you look up to and people in your life that have, have set a good example and people in your life who have already gone through a lot of the struggles. And I think uh, one of the more common questions I get from people is, well, how do you get a mentor? Like, how do you find one? How do you get one? I think the first thing to do is you have to have a goal. You have to have a goal, whether it's powerlifting, whether it's, it's wrestling, whether it's business, whether it's like what, whatever it is, you have to have a certain goal. And then from that goal, you have to seek out opportunities to be just in the vicinity of people who've done it already, people just in the area. And I mean, for example, I told you about the gym that I applied to when I was 14 years old. What I didn't say was that just for the sake of brevity, was that I applied to a gym before that and I was denied. I applied to a gym first and I was like, hey, I'd love to intern with you. I'll do whatever it takes, take the trash out, clean the floors. And they're like, honestly, our clients don't want a high school kid sticking around and, and poking their nose in the training session. So we're going to have to say no. And I remember after that, I was like, what the fuck am I going to do? And I was, my, I my mom was like, you apply to another one. What do you think? I was like, okay. So I applied to another one. And 
I think a lot of people just sort of assume if they're looking for a mentor that they could re either reach out to one person or that the person is just going to show up. It's like you have to go out of your way to put yourself in the vicinity of these people over and over and over again until you find yourself finally in contact with them. I mean, right now I'm, I'm really just getting into Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and I'm very fortunate to train at one of the best facilities in the world at Henzo Gracie in New York. And literally I was just like, Henzo, the owner of the gym, followed me on Instagram yesterday after I reposted some of his stuff on, uh, on Instagram and, and I was speaking with him and speaking with, with uh, Gregor and speaking just like literally just DMing with some of the guys who are the best athletes in the world, Gordon Ryan, whatever it is. It's like the only way that you would do that is through putting yourself in a position to actually meet them and to be around them. So if you want a mentor, it's on you. It's your responsibility to do whatever it takes to, to get there. And it's not going to happen in a day or a week or a month. It's, it's going to take a lot of time and a lot of, a lot of no's before you get the one yes. Do you want to kind of get into how uh, your background in cutting for wrestling and then uh, West Side wanting you to cut down a weight class, how that's kind of influenced your look on dieting now? Um, I know you share a lot on life balance and uh, how people don't need to look so negatively on um, their diet. Yeah, I mean, so through wrestling and, and cutting weight for, for essentially for, for the better part of four years through high school, and just doing very intense, stupid things to lose weight, whether it was just like sitting in a sauna or a bathtub for hours at a time in hot water, like for, I mean, I remember, I remember one time I was, I was supposed to compete and I, I was sick and I really, I think I had like the flu. I remember being brutally sick and I told my coach, I was like, I can't compete. I need Evan to compete because Evan was the guy that like I would wrestle off with in order to make the varsity spot. And I had beat Evan. And so I was like, you need to put Evan in for me. And then, so he's like, all right, I'll put Evan in. And so Evan didn't make weight. So he was like, Jordan, like, I know you're sick, but you got to make weight. So we don't just forfeit the match. And like looking back, I mean, what a fucking idiot that coach was. It's like, I was a 14 year old kid. It was like brutally sick. And this coach is like, Hey, you got to go and make weight. No, I was already five pounds over and I had to weigh in in a few hours. So I just remember I skipped school that day, but I put on a ton of, uh, just like sweatshirts and sweatpants and trash bags and literally spent several hours running up and down the stairs in one of the back stairwells of the, of the school, just so that I could like sweat off as much as I possibly could. And literally I made weight by like 0.1 and I remember being number one, being brutally sick, making that weight and then going into that match. And as I was warming up for the match, my right calf was spasming. And it was like, it was one of those like moments where, you know, as soon as you like flex it, the least bit, it's going to, it's going to cramp on you and you're going to go, it's going to lock up. And I remember I told my other coach, I was like, coach, my calf is going to cramp up as soon as I step on that mat. And he goes, better pin him fast. And I was, I was like, fuck, like, and I remember I, I pinned him in about 30 seconds. It was, it was a great experience in like, in terms of mental fortitude, but looking back on the stuff that I did for, in terms of legitimately starving myself for several days at a time. And then I would cut a lot of water weight and dehydrate myself. And then after I weighed in, I would binge eat and, and re like literally go from 102.9 pounds all the way up to 112.4 pounds in a matter of like two hours, like not that healthy. So that was uh that was my 
wrestling career for four years straight. And it's a lot of people's wrestling careers. It's one of the things on, on Instagram, I'll get D I got a DM from someone yesterday being like, Holy shit, I'm 112 going 103 too. Like, can you help? Like literally the same exact scenario. Um, and this is something a lot of, a lot of high school wrestlers, and a lot of weight, weight controlled sports deal with. So the way that I tend to approach it now is, is through my own learning experiences and trial and errors and processes, learning how to lose weight more sustainably and more healthily with, with less of a, of an emotional relationship with food, more of a logical relationship with food and less trying to do it so quickly and so rapidly and so intensely and much more controlled and sustainably and enjoyably. I love your opinion on the separating yourself emotionally from certain categories of food and uh, just dieting in general. Um, I liked your big Mac challenge that you had. Oh, thank you, man. Yeah, that was, uh, I really appreciate that. It was an experiment that I did not expect to have as big of an impact as it did. Um, just for anyone who doesn't know, I ate one big Mac a day every day for 30 days straight. Uh, with the goal not to say that Big Macs are healthy and not to say you should be eating a Big Mac. Um, I don't give a fuck if you eat Big Macs or not. The whole purpose of the challenge was to show you that you can enjoy your favorite foods in moderation and not only not lose progress, but you can actually make progress at the same time. And so over those 30 days while having a Big Mac every day, I ended up losing seven pounds. For gen the general population out there, what do you think too many people are stressing over and getting in the way of their progress and maybe some things that they should redirect their focus to? I think most people are really focusing on the minutia of everything and not enough on just the, the really the big rocks, the, the things that matter most. And I mean, I'll give you an example. I've had countless occasions in which people have told me they're not eating fruit anymore because they were told that fruit has too much sugar and sugar makes you fat. And I just sit there and stare them blankly in the eyes like, are you out of your fucking mind? And it's funny because people say these things like, like fitness professionals or whatever you want to call them, like gurus, like fit fluencers, whatever you want, they'll say this stuff and they think it's accurate. But I always just come back with a very simple response. And, and in this case, in the fruit response, I always ask, how many people do you know who got fat from eating fruit? Like how many? And, and the answer is always like, uh, uh, like, and they can't, they can't come up with something. And when it's someone who, who's just following the advice of another person, I was like, do you know anyone who got fat from eating fruit? They're like, oh my God, no. I was like, stop eliminating fruit because of sugar. It's totally fine. No one has ever gotten, no one has ever said, man, you know, it was really that watermelon that really packed on those last 50 pounds. Like that's not ever happened to anybody. So I think what people need to focus on rather than trying to like figure out, okay, well, it's sugar that's bad for you or well, it's carbs that are bad for you or it's fat that's bad for you is really saying, okay, how about we look at how many total calories you're eating? Like let's look at how much you are actually eating in total and go from there. Before we eliminate any foods, let's just think about how much you're actually eating. And when you do that, people end up, number one, they're shocked at how many calories they're actually eating first and foremost. And from there, once they realize how much they're eating, then they start to want to reduce that. And from what they'll actually do is they'll start adding in more fruits and vegetables because surprise, surprise, they're lower in calorie and they fill you up for more. So like in my whole thing is rather than telling people, Hey, you have to eliminate this. You have to eliminate that. How about we start telling people, let's pay attention to how much food you're actually eating. And then over time, you'll end up making better choices on your own. It's another thing where it's like, 
if your dog was fat and like you're not going to buy fat burners for your dog you're not going to like try and make your dog do fasted cardio you're not going to try and make your dog do any of this nonsense you're going to feed your dog a little bit less and make sure that it gets outside more it's like same thing with the hamster same like why in the fuck do you think you're different you don't need to go to gnc and buy any fat burners you don't need to like do any fasted cardio it's not that fasted cardio is bad if you want to do it by all means go for it but like it's not going to do anything extra for you unless you're in a calorie deficit, unless you're eating the right amount and you're exercising properly. How do you, with uh, your crazy work-life balance, how do you focus on the right things and just create that balance in your life? You know, I think um, I've spoken a lot, a lot about balance recently and sort of, I think one of the best ways that I can paint the picture of balance is I think, balance is actually overrated and and misunderstood is probably a better better word to use i think a lot of people look at balance as having equal parts of many different things in their life like equal part work equal part friends equal part relationship equal part whatever relaxing it's like you can't have equal parts of everything it's just not going to work and nobody who's ever accomplished anything great has ever had equal parts of everything in their life. There's always been one thing, maybe two, but definitely one thing that's received the vast majority of their time and attention because it's what they're most passionate about. And I think in order to reach a level of balance, number one is you have to go through periods of unbalance. You have to go through periods in which you toe the line in which you say, wow, like this isn't where I want to be. Like, I don't want to be here in this position anymore. Like, for example, when I was like, had a very poor relationship with food, when I was binge eating and like really doing awful things, I was like, I don't want to be here anymore. And it was only through towing that line and going really far one way before I could to get to a point where I was like, this isn't healthy. I need, I need to make some changes. Same thing with powerlifting. I mean, powerlifting is not healthy. I don't think any sport is healthy taken to the, the highest level. I deadlifted four times my body weight that's not supposed to happen. Like we're not supposed to be able to do that. That is outrageous. Um, I like, I had some serious hip issues with that. I had some back issues with that, like throwing a baseball, baseball pitchers. It's not healthy. If you look at their arms in slow motion, you look at the torque on their shoulder and elbow. It is unbelievable how much torque they put on their shoulders every single time they throw. Not only that, if you look at a lot of baseball pictures, a lot of them have to get Tommy John surgery just to be able to have a healthy arm. It's like they literally have to cut their arm open in order to have a healthy arm. It's like any sport taken to the highest level is not healthy. And it's not that it's bad, but it's definitely not balanced at all. And so I think to really understand how to find the best quote unquote balance in your life is to understand what it is you're most passionate about, what it is that you really, really, really want to do and give your, the utmost of your time and effort and dedication to whatever it is you want to do. And through doing that, you'll have more of a balanced life simply because you're spending the majority of your time doing what interests you most. But I don't think spending equal parts in various aspects of your life is balanced, especially if it doesn't bring more joy to your life. I really like that view on balance. Do you want to give some advice uh, to personal trainers out there who um, maybe just starting out or just uh, got going? I think the best advice for any personal trainer, especially, actually, I'll, I'll say this first. Right now, I mean, I started coaching 
in like what in 2005 when I got my first internship um online coaching did not exist at that point Instagram didn't exist at that point I don't even think Facebook existed at that point I think it was just MySpace I'm pretty sure only MySpace was available at that time I don't even know if you know what that is but like right now most people who are getting into fitness they want to be an online coach and they think oh i want to do online coaching it's going to be a super way to easy way to make money i can travel the world da, 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 all this other stuff i'm like if number one if you're getting into coaching to make money you're getting in the wrong industry number two if that's not to say you can't make money in this industry but it is saying that the vast majority of coaches are not making a lot of money and it's not an industry in which a lot of money is common. And more importantly than that, if your sole purpose for becoming a coach is to make money and not because you actually love being a coach, you're going to resent your clients and you're not going to do a good job with them because in every interaction, every coaching experience, you're going to have an end goal of some of wanting something in return, which is essentially more money. And you're never going to be happy. Whereas the best coaches that I've always found, they love coaching because they love coaching. They love coaching because they love helping people. And there's a big difference between loving working out and loving coaching. It's two very different things. Some of the best coaches I've ever met, they're not great lifters. They're not like super honed in on their nutrition, but they love coaching. They love the process of working with people and listening to people and helping people. And I really, really very much believe that the more you actually love coaching people, then obviously the more you're going to be a great coach. And that's going to start in the gym, in person. I very much believe that being a great in-person trainer will help you be a better online trainer. But being a better online trainer will not make you a better in-person trainer. The things you learn from coaching people in person, every session, watching every rep, watching how they feel, understanding like when they're either in pain, understanding, like answering their questions real time, programming for them, watching them progress, fixing their technique. You will learn so much more in an hour of coaching one individual than you would ever learn from a coaching perspective in a year of online coaching technique analysis. Even if you have a hundred clients, like it's, it's impossible to get the exact same feedback and knowledge and experience as you would in-person coaching. Um, so I, I would say before you start trying to chase an online career, start with an in-person career. And not only that, if you now, if you want to talk more business side of it, a very strong, trusted, loyal, reputable in-person coaching business will build a very strong, trusted, loyal, reputable online business. A lot of my initial online coaching clients were people that I brought over from coaching in person as I started to transfer online. But if you're just starting from scratch and you've never coached anyone in person and you're just starting an online business and you're expecting a bunch of people to randomly DM you, DM you on Instagram and say, hey, let me pay you to coach me, you're out of your fucking mind. Like, that's not going to happen. I mean, if it does, amazing. And like, tell me because I would love to hear that. I've never heard of it in my life. But it's better to start in person, build trust, help people in person, slowly bring them over to your online program over several years. And then at a certain point, then you can start really building an online program based on the audience you've built online. But 
if you really are, if you really want to help people and you really want to be a great coach, start in person. You mentioned you kind of started out when uh, the market space was just kind of growing. Uh, with the market space when social media just rapidly growing right now, do you want to talk about um, some ways to kind of separate yourself? I think the the single best way to separate yourself is to tell the truth. Uh, the, tell you the tell the truth, and be ruthlessly ruthlessly straightforward with people. I think if you look at commercials and advertisements from even the early 2000s or the, the 90s or the 80s, like they become laughable at how outrageous they were and at the claims that they made. The thing is, they could make those claims because people had no fucking clue about the truth. They could say these things were unbelievably effective and like had the most outrageous results and say these things that today we would, uh, the, the person with the lowest IQ would look at this thing and be like, that's fucking stupid. Like that's ridiculous because through the internet and through social media, we have so much readily available information and we're all much more knowledgeable. So nowadays what is becoming much, 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 much more effective as a way to stand out in the crowd is to be very straightforward, very blunt, very honest. And if you don't know the answer, say you don't know the answer. If you think people are, are not calling themselves out on, on their bullshit enough, tell people you're not calling yourself out on your bullshit enough. Be as very straightforward as you can. It doesn't mean you have to be aggressive or mean, but it does mean that being straightforward and blunt with people and not sugarcoating stuff and not trying to beat around the bush and not walking on eggshells and just telling it how it is as it is, people are going to, even if they don't like you, at least they'll trust you. And it's really, really important because even if they think, oh, you're too cocky or, oh, like you're too confident or, oh, like you're a little bit too abrasive, at least when the time comes for them to say, who do you trust in the industry, they'll always trust you because they know even if they don't like you, that you're always going to shoot it to them straight. We'll wrap it up here with uh, one last question. If you had to give one piece of advice just to anyone out there, um, can be fitness related or not, what would it be? Deadlift, always deadlift. <laughs> I've, and you know, I, I joke, but I actually, I mean, I think uh, you know, the deadlift changed my life in in many, many ways. But I think there's a lot to be said for goals and for overcoming massive obstacles. And the deadlift is one of the one of the unique movements in which it's very easy to set a goal. You know, I want to hit this amount of weight, and it's very easy to make it much more difficult. So you have to overcome a, a much greater obstacle, put more weight on the bar. And it is one of just the truest tests of strength. How much weight can you pick up? That's it. That's it. How much weight can you pick up off the ground? That's all it's, all it's asking. It's so basic, so simple, so difficult. And uh, it's one of those things where as you're working forward and towards a new deadlift personal record and as you hit it, you become a much better person, a much more confident person. And there's a lot to be said for overcoming this massive obstacle on a consistent basis and, and continuing to work through it because there are going to be injuries. There's going to be muscle strains. There's going to be times that like it doesn't go the way you want and continuing to work through it is what's going to make you a better person. 
I like I like how you worded it. Uh, lifting kind of relates a lot to life, and it'll knock you down sometimes. But um, if there's someone out there that doesn't know who you are, do you want to kind of give yourself a shout out and tell them where they can find you? Yeah, sure. I mean, if you just Google my name, Jordan Syatt, S-Y-A-T-T, you'll find a lot. But um, I'm on YouTube, Jordan Syatt, Instagram, Syatt Fitness. And and if you Google my name, you'll find a whole bunch of other things, my podcast and Twitter and blah, blah, blah. But dude, thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. I appreciate you taking the time to be on, Jordan. My pleasure, my man. Have a wonderful day. You too.